welcome to Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. My name is Stuart Pedley-Smith, Head of Learning at Kaplan UK. In this series, you're going to hear from both students and experts as we take a look at a range of topics related to personal and career success in the world of accountancy and finance. In this episode, we're looking at why accountancy is more important and exciting than ever. Joining me is Paul Barnes, Managing Director of MAP, a business that provides financial services to clients but uniquely looks to add value by helping their businesses thrive, effectively working together as a business partner. Paul employs around 20 people, including over the years people studying AAT, ACCA and SEMA. So he's ideally positioned to comment on what skills accountants have and need, what the market's looking for and why now is such a great time to be in the industry. Paul, can I start with a, a perhaps a, a more personal question? Why did you want to be an accountant? What was it that sort of brought you into the industry in the first place? Yeah, hi Stuart, thanks for having me on today. What made me get into accountancy, I came from a small village near Blackpool and, um, I, you know, I didn't get I didn't get a lot of experiences as, as a young person. So it, I found it quite stressful and quite intense thinking about where I want to go in my career. And then I realised that doing accounting and having skills in finance would enable me to have, you know, lots of options available to me. If you look at like the, you know, the FTSE top 100 businesses in the UK, many of them were led by ex-accountants and ex-finance professionals. So I realized that it was a very varied career and that I wouldn't be pigeonholing myself into, you know, a, a very niche career if I went into accounting and finance and actually give me a broad range of options. Because people would think by definition doing accountancy is pigeonholing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so what I... Yeah, we never get anybody, Paul, on the show that actually says, yeah, I was born to be an accountant and I knew that's what I wanted from from the age of five. But the fact that you looked at it on as a way of providing you with choice, seeing it as a core skill yeah. that could actually take you into many different businesses rather than this this defined box that you say, what, who are you, what do you do? And you say, I'm an accountant. And they go, oh, yeah, well, I, I know exactly what you are then if, if that's your career mm-hmm. choice. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of sort of narrowness really a perception I suppose yeah well I mean accounting in itself is hugely broad you know if you were to google like roles in accounting now you would come up with a huge huge list but for me that is just the starting point when you then talk about finance finance then goes much more broader than what accounting is so people often talk about accounting being the language of business and I I agree with that Mm. I think if you're going to sit in a boardroom whatever position you're going to be in you, you really, I'd say you need to be able to understand accounting in, in order to understand that language that people are talking about and to sort of connect all the dots. Another phrase I hear is, is finance is the voice of reason. So, you know, when there's all these debates going on and people fighting for resources, trying to make a decision in business, if you were to look at the numbers, if you look at KPIs, if you were to look at the narrative of what the numbers are telling you, that's beyond the functional aspects of accounting, which, as I say, in itself is huge. Mm. You know, you have people that work mm. in sales ledger, people that work in purchase ledger, people that buy, people that produce reports and information, analyze data. So there's all that accounting stuff. But then when it comes to finance, that gives it a whole extra dimension in terms of how you actually use that that information. So I just think it's, it's a hugely broad and, and exciting career opportunity and almost if you're going down a route and you thought this isn't for me there could be 
a very different route that still comes under the accounting and finance banner that is well suited to your personality and your skills? Yeah, on a personal note, I would probably say I'm, I'm an example of that. Do you know what I mean? In the fact that I started in the accounts profession, moved into industry, mm. but have spent the vast sort of huge part of my career in sort of education and training. So I, I always argue that my, I, my wife is the real accountant because accountants marry accountants, don't they? But my wife is the real accountant. And, and I'm just the one, you know, when I had a real job in accountancy and finance. But it's right, it, it can take you uh, in, in lots of different directions. There's another bit to your personal story, though, that is about that you took your career down a particular route, i.e. you um, set up your own business. And I'm, once again, same sort of curiosity-driven question. What, what was the logic behind that? Because it's quite a big step. You know, being an accountant, you may say, is the language of business, but it doesn't mean you can run your own, does it? No, no you're, you're right. Absolutely not. It takes a certain individual, I think, to set up a business, a lot of audacity and a certain way of thinking, I think, and being able to deal with challenges. You know, there's this perception, isn't there, that running a business is fun and exciting and full of rewards. <laughs> but actually, it's so broad. You know, you, you have to become... Not a professional, but at least competent in sales, in marketing, in administration, in HR, in operations. So yeah. when you run a business, it's it's almost knocking the accountant out of you, I say. When I, I, I realized that I was doing a lot of the elements of, of running a business because I'd been afforded the opportunity to do it, I thought, you know, I'm I'm always going to live in regret if I don't take that step and actually run my own. So I just had that burning feeling in my stomach and I think I had the right characteristics to have a go at running a business. Mm. And at the same time, you know, you can't discount luck as well. Um, so that was back in 2013. And from that moment on, just never look back. You know, I'd, I'd be a terrible employee now. I'm a business owner through and through and no one would hire me. Well, that's what they say is now. I've got quite a few friends who, who run businesses and that they or define themselves as unemployable by anybody else for for all sorts of different reasons. You know, the theme of this, of what we're talking about, is being in finance at the moment, you know, is interesting. And yet some people would look at coming of the changes in technology. So, you know, what they refer, refer to as the fourth industrial revolution, whereby, you know, we had computerization and now we've got the AI, we've got blockchain um, and we've got the sort of robotic processes coming along. And I think if you were sat on the outside looking in, you might be saying, well, their jobs are over because, you know, computerization took big chunk of moving those numbers around. So they don't need them for that anymore. And now what we can see is the bots will be doing that higher level of analysis. How do you, you're very excited about the opportunities in finance, but how does that square with this erosion or the, the sort of land grab by technology of some of the skills that finance have? As you say, I definitely don't see it as erosion. I see it as enabling. I don't see anything eroding. It's like the quicker that the robots come and the quicker that this technology can enable our teams to operate at the highest possible level, the better. There's certain things that only humans, for the next few hundred years at least, will be able to do. And the more that, therefore, technology can assist in some of the things that a computer should be able to do, then the better. So, for example, if you think about something like reconciling a bank, once you've learned the skill of doing it, there's only so many times you need to do it before actually 
you just know it and you're just going through the motions. I would much rather that team member has then evolved to the next stage instead of their 40 hours a week being reconciling banks to be able to look across the bank transactions and identify trends. And even if technology takes over that bit and is able to look at trends, which it's starting to do and be able to do deep data analytics, who's the person that's or machine that's going to communicate that with the client? You know, a, a machine, as far as I know today, can't pick up the phone to a client and say, you know, I've been looking through your data and I found some really interesting insights that we haven't spoken about before. Have you got time to have a conversation? So the more that technology lifts those individuals to be able to have those conversations, the bigger impact we have on our clients' businesses and the the firms and the finance professionals that adapt the quickest are going to be the ones that have that big, biggest impact. And we need to be able to, I believe, get excited about what technology can do and, and just be relentless in terms of your your development. You don't want to be doing the stuff today that you're doing 10 years ago. I don't want to be doing the stuff today that I was doing like three months ago. You know, I'm very fast moving and impatient, but I'm committed to growth. I, I always want to be growing. But now instead of having to just delegate that to other people, we can delegate that to, to or automate that with technology. It's an interesting challenge, actually, from my side in the, on the education space, because you talk about bank reconciliations and there's always this thing about, but what, what core skill are you buying? So should we be teaching people to do a bank reconciliation on the basis that now employers probably don't need or want people to do bank reconciliations but you know there's that thing about understanding exactly what's under the bonnet the, the micro yeah you know, it's it's the reason accountants sort of hang on to double entry bookkeeping with with a passion it's just that now from our side people want both they want them to have done that but they don't want the repetition and then they want that leap into that oh yes well i, I know what a bank rec is and i can do one Oh, but now intellectually, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to, or, or a different skill set, communication. I'm now going to pick the phone up because getting someone who can do a bank rec to pick the phone up and have a meaningful conversation with the guy that's paying your salary indirectly and offer sensible advice is quite, it's a skill set in itself, isn't it? Yeah, so that advice and that conversation is a huge part of it. The more that technology can enable our team to do that, the better. And the other part is about managing by exception. So if a technology can pick up, you know, 99% of errors, it means the human only has to pick up 1% of the errors instead of spending all that time. So we use technology now that does the job that, you know, I, I've been qualified for years to be able to do, but it would take me ages. You know, I could spend a whole day doing something that technology can do within a matter of minutes or seconds. So I would rather spend the rest of my day, as I say, speaking to the clients that the technology has helped to identify the stuff that, yeah, I could have identified, but it would have involved me scouring through thousands of transactions to find out which transaction in this accounting system doesn't have a receipt attached, therefore we shouldn't be claiming VAT on, or which of these transactions in month 12 did we code something differently to where we did months 1 to 11. I would find that eventually if I had the time and the patience, but the technology will just find that for me. And so why would I be resistant to something that can enable me to speak to more clients and have have more impact and do more in less time yeah it's, it's almost an extension of your employing people better than yourself isn't it do you mean so technology is better than you so why you know why don't you employ people better than you why don't you have technologies better than you and, and i think this idea of the threat 
well, because they'll replace me. But you're always moving on and your skill set's improving to accommodate that. They, just because they are better at you accounting doesn't mean that they're now better than you at managing the business or dealing with clients because you've developed that T-shaped skill set a little bit further. They've still got that to do. And as clever as the technology is, it's application focused, isn't it? It's, it's, it's delivering one job. It's just doing it particularly well. So it's almost like a business of experts, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, really good. And that's what I think that entrepreneurial mindset is about. You know, I'm not only am I not afraid to make myself redundant, I'm desperate to make myself redundant. <laughs> so that, that's the difference. If you've got people that are in fear of their work being taken away from them, they're probably different to the kind of people that are going to run a business. But it's not just business owners that can have an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, people that want to climb the career ladder. Well, going back to our example, they can't be stuck doing bank reconciliation in 10 years the quicker that they can offload those things, the more they can move into the areas that, that, that as humans we're, we're capable of doing. Hi, my name's Neve Houlihan and I'm a project financial controller based in Derbyshire. I think accountancy is really important because money makes the world go round and you can't run a company without looking into the finances. It's never not going to be important and that was one of the things that attracted me to the industry because you're never going to be without a job. Accounting is always going to be important. You've got this thing about faster information and arguably better information so actually you know you should be getting rewarded for the speed in which the information's delivered not not the long which is i don't know i don't know how easy that is to sell to clients to the you know something that doesn't take you very long and you charge a lot more for get the mindset around well that was good because my guy got it to me in, in a day and your guy took two weeks type thing yeah and part of it is about training and educating your clients to, to think in a logical sensible way because once we get into a conversation about time, it can lead to poor decisions that, in my mind, are not logical. But it can also be very subjective. Because if I say it takes 12 hours to reconcile your bank, you could say, well, we used to have somebody else that did it and they did it in eight. And then we might start to say, yeah, but the business had grown a bit. You know, oh, it's not that much. But there's more transactions. You say, yeah, but the simpler transactions. You could get into you know, a real debate. So in that example, we just charge based on the number of transactions. So how many transactions went through the bank in that period, we'll charge based on that and we'll hit the deadline. You know, we'll utilize our resources to hit the deadline to deliver for your board meeting. As long as it's reasonable, you know, there might be a good reason why that board meeting is just too early for finance to be able to deliver to that time frame. But it's about focusing on the outcome and being more business focused on what it is that the client wants. The client doesn't want to pay for you to, to take longer. They want to pay for things to be done accurately and efficiently. It, it's measuring the value, isn't it? Speed's one way of assessing service. Value is sometimes a little bit more difficult and I think, as you say, it's probably built up by having a relationship where somebody said, well, he gave me good advice last time or and, and then they get to trust and have confidence that when you do say something or if you do pick them up on something, um, it's advice that they ignore at their peril or at least think about it before they ignore it, I suppose. Yeah, it's the way that you deliver the service and the way that you deliver the report that is where the value is. So, again, two people both on your bank reconciliation one of you just one of them just emails you to say Stuart the bank now reconciles the other one picks up the phone and says 
Stuart, done the bank reconciliation. You know, there are about this number of transactions this month. There's a couple of direct debits that you mentioned last time you're going to cancel, and I don't think you've cancelled them. And also, I don't think you've paid that freelancer. I think the bill's now overdue. And I know that that's an important relationship for you. So if you look at those two things, it, how long did it take me to say that? 10 seconds, 15 seconds compared to, you know, and, and probably it took longer to write the email actually than to just pick up the phone and have the conversation. So the same service delivered slightly differently can massively change the value perception. So there's two things that are important. One is the actual value and one is the perceived value. So it's no good the person that had the, picked up the phone, had the good conversation, actually coded lo loads of things to the wrong place, didn't finish all the bank reconciliation, then the actual value would be lower. You need both to be good. So you need the quality of the work that you're doing to be good, but also for the clients for the client to actually perceive that, because otherwise you could be the best accountant ever. But if the client doesn't actually get to experience that, understand that, you could have done loads of really complex work in the background. But if that's not communicated to the client, you've then poured loads of hours into something and the client has no idea. So let the client, which could be an employer, by the way, or could be a manager, it doesn't have to be an outside client, the way that I'm talking about, let them know the work that you've done and remind them of the work that you've done and try to provide some insights, then the, the actual and the perceived value are higher and therefore you, you are worth more. Yeah. And I, and I think we've we've touched on this a little bit, but there's there's something in that 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 bank reconciliation point. What sort of skills do you see that you look for when you recruit, or what sort of skills do you think are missing from people that come through and qualify as accountants? Curiosity is definitely trumps everything for me because if you're curious, so we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses, but if you're curious, you will be ready to find what those weaknesses are and those inexperiences that you've got. So the pe those people that are very quiet, keep themselves to themselves, don't ask questions, don't say, I don't understand this. They are limiting their development because they are not identifying and tackling the weaknesses. Weaknesses sounds like a harsh word, but you know, inexperiences, areas for improvement. And so they could go years having that weakness and they've never actually, you know, it's amazing how many people sort of get by in their careers not understanding something and just don't sort of have the confidence to put their hand up and, and, and speak up. I love it when somebody stops me in my tracks and say, Paul, I, I don't understand this. It's like, great, because at the moment everyone's nodding along. And I know that statistically, if I'm speaking to 20 people, there's no way everybody understands what I'm saying. So someone says, I don't understand, can you do that again? It's like, brilliant, people are listening and people are being honest. So people that are curious to understand more and have the self-awareness to to realise where maybe some of their development areas are and they take, they take ownership and responsibility, you shouldn't often, I don't think, be going into like an appraisal process, learning loads from your manager in terms of where your weaknesses are. Try and own that yourself. Try and find out yourself and be honest yourself about where those weaknesses are. Self-awareness, confidence, curiosity, just passion as well. Finance for me is massively exciting, you know, largely because of some of the things that we've just said in terms of what technology is enabling people to do. But it, it can genuinely impact other people and, and change lives in, in many, many ways because people's lives are changed by better understanding their finances. So if you can help a business owner or an individual or a manager to better understand 
their business through the lens of finances, business is so chaotic and there's so much going on. So if you can help them to understand that narrative of what the numbers are telling them, it can make their life simpler. It can help them to set more sensible goals. It can help them to report against those goals. So if, if all of that doesn't make you passionate, you probably shouldn't go and spend a career doing it because there's a, there's a whole world of opportunity out there. So find something that you're really passionate about. You know, we've had to make difficult decisions with people along the years where we said, we're just not sure that this is for you. And they would have been happy to sort of float along, but we're not interested in just giving people jobs. We want people to have exciting careers and we want those people to go on and have an ex- a career somewhere doing something that they're far more excited and passionate about. Paul, I think it's been really interesting talking to you about sort of, I suppose, changing a few perceptions around what people perceive finance has been a, a number of things that have struck me. One about the idea that technology is an enhancer, it's a tool, it's a calculator, it's something that enables you to do less tedious, repetitive work and potentially add more value. I think the idea of thinking less about time and and charging for value add again, so I suppose that's a common theme, isn't it? That, you know, we forget the time register, just think about the the idea of, you know, what, what are you actually doing? And then the, the third point around, you know, that accountancy isn't, isn't a job, but, but it's a career for people that uh, are passionate. I've stumbled through what you've said. Is there any one key point that you would see as, you know, that people should take away from this? So I'd say it's about that idea of continuous improvement, really. Just constantly looking for ways to further yourself. There are people available to delegate to. There is technology available that can do things quicker. Don't be in fear of it. Embrace it and try to look at everything as an opportunity rather than a threat. You know, accept the threats, but accept them for what they are and look at how you can exploit the opportunities that are there for you to further your career by using other resources to enable you to operate at your absolute best. Don't get stuck doing the same things over and over again. Once you've learnt it and it's suddenly become very repetitive, what's the next thing that you can learn? Because that's what's going to help you to be most valuable. But then on top of that, as we've said, make sure that you are presenting yourself and presenting your work in a way that it's valued by the other person. Don't think that they see the world through the same lens as you. So they understand why that's valuable in their world. So I think if you get those two things right, continuous improvement and the value perception for your client, whoever that client might might be, then that's what's going to enable you to climb the career ladder and go at your career with, with full zest and be the absolute best you can be. Paul, thanks for joining me on Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find us. Let's continue the conversation. Follow us on social at Kaplan UK and let us know what you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes.